Alright, it's almost impossible to say anything about this topic without spoiling things, so let's get this out of the way. Major spoilers ahead for the Stormlight Archive through Rhythm of War, with some tangential spoilers for the Cosmere in general. Oh, and by the way, I think I'm back. Uh, I, we've got some episodes planned for the show. Uh, we'll figure things out as the months go on, but uh, Happy New Year, folks. So, with the release of Rhythm of War, we've discovered a great deal about the mechanics of Fabrials and the different types of light on Roshar. Beyond simple Stormlight, which we are most familiar with, and Voidlight, which we've seen on rare occasions, Navani's plotline introduced a whole host of other lights, namely Lifelight, the Light of Cultivation, as well as Towerlight and Warlight, which are the mixes of the various lights, and, of course, there are the Anti-Lights. Now, this is a lot to break down, so we're going to do a deep dive on the various forms of investiture on Roshar. In fact, this is such a heavy, complex topic that I think I'm going to break it up into two or three parts. This first part will deal exclusively with the nature of light on Roshar, focusing purely on what we know about Stormlight, Lifelight, and Voidlight on a mechanical level. In subsequent weeks, we'll tackle Anti-Light, Mixed Light, and the interactions with the Rhythms. But, with that all said, let's get started. Ground rules, alright? Investiture on Roshar comes from the Shards. At first it was Honor and Cultivation, but Odium's arrival in the system has cemented him as a presence in the Rosharan magic system. Now all of this investiture takes the form of Light with a capital L. Stormlight is tied in with the High Storms, naturally filling gemstones and fueling the Knight's Radiant. Voidlight comes from Odium, though we don't know much about how it's generated. It may come from the Everstorm, but the Everstorm doesn't renew spheres, it's kinda complicated. Regardless, we know that it originally came from Odium, and later from the unmade known as Ba Ado Mishram. More on her later. Finally, there's Lifelight, the elusive light of cultivation. We've only seen it in the green mists that surround the Night Watcher in the valley. So, what are the lights and what do they do? Well, the second question is actually a little easier to answer than the first. In short, they feel surge binding, and probably a whole lot of other magic systems. Stormlight is inhaled by the Radiance, while Voidlight can be held in the gem heart of Singers. Lift, our Edge Dancer, apparently converts food into Lifelight to fuel her abilities, but that's about all we've seen of it so far. Now that's pretty straightforward, but asking what the lights are is a trickier question, and it's going to lead us down a rabbit hole of some Cosmere weirdness, so buckle up. We'll use Stormlight as the main example here, but the rules theoretically apply to every type of light, which we'll see is going to slowly creep up to be more than just these basic three. Alright, so we got the question. We simplified it. What is Stormlight? The quickest answer is that it's Investiture, which means it's obviously more than just regular light. In fact, Stormlight exhibits the properties of light, properties of liquid, properties of gas, and unique magical properties all at the same time. Yeah, I know. It's, it is a very long story we're getting into here. But anyway, Stormlight is typically captured in gemstones, but without the distortion of the gem's color, it comes off as a bright white light with a slightly blue tinge. It's been described as allowing the spiritual realm to peer through, which explains why it's magic. Alright, so we said that Stormlight was like a gas. Well, why is that? Mainly because it escapes its container and evaporates into the air. That's pretty straightforward. Y you can't hold it, mainly because, as we've seen, it'll escape from an open container and then evaporate into the air. We say it's like a liquid because it can be siphoned between containers under special circumstances. We'll cover those circumstances in our episode on Fabrials and whatnot, but we've seen that happen in Rhythm of War, as Navani is able to sort of 
move light between gemstones. Anyway, and then we say that stromlight is like light with a lowercase l. Now that is where things get especially interesting. Alright, we're gonna go back a little bit to uh, high school physics here. Alright, we know the basic gist of light. Light is electromagnetic radiation that comes from an energy source. It comes in a huge spectrum of frequencies, only a few of which we are capable of seeing. That's what we call visible light. If you want to know what light physically is, well, that's a question for a quantum physics class. But we're gonna try and tackle it here because Brandon can't let us get away without having some weird quantum physics stuff. So in short, light is somehow both a particle and a wave. Now, other examples of waves are, are things like uh, ripples in water or, or sound going through the air. Uh, these waves need to have a medium through which they can move. It's not so much that it, it's a thing moving as much as uh, it, it's a pattern of vibration or a pattern that is getting propagated from one place to another. Right? When there's a wave in the water, it's not that one particular droplet of water is moving across that wave. It's one, you know, section of the water hitting the next section, which hits the next section, etc., etc. Same thing through sound. The particles themselves are not moving that much. They are all vibrating and transferring that vibration to uh, other places. That's the wave. Now light needs no medium. Light is somehow a particle itself. It is actually photons moving through space. But, okay, we'll, we'll tackle the particle section later. For the moment, the important thing is that light is a wave. It has a frequency, just like sound waves. Low frequency means a high wavelength. In terms of light, the, the lowest frequency, highest wavelength colors that we have are red, and then there's everything below infrared, which we can't actually see. Now, that includes uh, uh, microwaves and radio waves. And because of their low frequency, they have a relatively low energy. That's why it's, it's okay that there are radio waves, you know, all around us, and microwaves that get sent around all around us. They have less energy than uh, the visible light. Now, a wave that has a high frequency means it has a low wavelength. That's purple and everything below ultraviolet. These are very high in energy, which is why you get stuff like x-rays and, you know, gamma rays, which uh, obviously you need to deal with or, or face radiation issues or turn into the Hulk. Now... In normal light, we can see that all colors have equal-sized bands on the electromagnetic spectrum. That is what you see when you look at a rainbow. All of the colors, um, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, violet, they have equal-sized bands because that's just the definition of color, right? For every one unit increase in wavelength, you move one unit in color. No two sections of a rainbow are exactly the same color, right? They slightly move and then the next section is slightly different, and then you're slowly turning from red to orange, and then your orange, just in little steps, turns to yellow, etc., etc. Now, add that all up, and these colors look like a smooth transition when we see them all together. You can also see a rainbow, not just in the sky, but when you put light through a prism, like on the cover of Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, the, the prism effectively separates that one beam of light into bands by wavelength. As the light bends through the prism, a slightly higher wavelength changes the angle. As a result, a wavelength of 750 nanometers comes out of the prism at a slightly different angle to light coming at 751 nanometers. When that light then shines on a surface, because they're angled differently, they aren't exactly in the same direction, so they hit the surface next to one another. And because each wavelength is, by definition, a slightly different color, you get the whole spectrum of color shining on the wall. Anyway, here is the weird part when, when we get back to stormlight. Now, remember that in the real world, there is always a smooth band of colors when you refract light through a prism. That is just a fundamental truth of the universe. It is definitionally true that a different wavelength of light 
is a different color will bend through the prism slightly differently. And because each one of them is different, uh, they all kind of transition in the same uh, proportions, let's say. The bands are all equal colors. But that is not the case when Navani and Raboniel, Raboniel, I don't know, refract Stormlight through a prism. Instead, Stormlight somehow has a wider band of blue. Somehow, there are more blue frequencies, or the blue frequencies are somehow more spread apart or, or something, and I can't stress how strange that is. In our world, blue fundamentally, definitionally just is a description of a certain range of wavelengths. In Stormlight, this is not the case, and this can't be the case in the fictional world unless there's some kind of weird magic going on. Now, similarly, Lifelight has a wider band of green, and Voidlight has an enormous band of violet and ultraviolet. Now, if you're wondering why this is the case, uh, we'll explain that in a bit. But for now, we've managed to describe lights as liquids, gases, light, and magic. Congratulations. You've just graduated Roshar Light 101. There's still, like, two or three more of these uh, lessons to go. But I think that's a good place to stop for today, because this is a really very dense topic. In our next episode, we'll discuss the nature of anti-light, as well as how sound plays into this entire situation. We'll also eventually discuss the mixing of light, warlight, tower light, and the two more mixtures that are unknown. The mixture of void light and life light, and the mysterious whatever happens if we can bring all three lights together. Now, I'll end this episode with a couple of uh, random kind of notes. Now, for one thing, if we're wondering why uh, Stormlight has this wider band of blue, Lifelight has the wider band of green, you know, what's the physics going on here? Why did Brandon do this? How is it? It's physically impossible. He answered that in a live stream. He said, yeah, it's physically impossible. Get over it. Um, this is me specifically signaling to you readers that there is magic going on. There are things you can't explain. Don't worry about it. Um, which is... I, I think it's admirable. I think it's 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 nice that he manages to get, you know, in any fantasy story, right, there is always a point where the buck stops and the author has to say, listen, you just have to trust me on this. It's magic. Don't worry about it. Brandon has managed to bring that down to the fundamental, like, workings of quantum physics and light theory, and, and that's where he says, listen up. This is magic. Just go with me. Um, so, yeah. Um, beyond that, I also find it's, it's interesting that the uh, purple, blue, and green sort of the colors that are associated with these lights match up precisely with the colors of the three Rosharan moons, Violet Salas, Blue Nomon, and Green Mishim. There have been a lot of theories uh, about the Rosharan moons, but I consider this to be confirmation that there's some kind of deeper connection between the moons and Investiture, though I don't know how, obviously. I'm also pretty curious about how all this color theory ties in with the biochromatic breadth system of Nalthus, but that's just something we'll have to see in the future. For now, uh, I've been talking for quite a bit. Uh, it's been a little while since I've done one of these, so I hope this was good. And yeah, we'll, we'll cap it off for there. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the World Hopper's Guide. Uh, if you have any comments, counter-arguments, or uh, thoughts about things I got right or wrong in this episode, uh, and I think on this episode there are probably things that there are going to be questions about or things I got wrong, um, but just uh, shoot me an email at worldhoppersguide at gmail.com or leave a comment in the Reddit thread. Uh, if you like what you heard, feel free to subscribe to the show or recommend it to your Cosmere-friendly friends. Uh, if you enjoy the show and would like to support it, I'd really appreciate a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And yeah, as always, thanks to Kevin McLeod for the intro music, thanks to Brandon Sanderson for these books, and thanks to you for listening. See you next time.